0: Hey, friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Hey, friends, thanks for taking a few minutes to be with us for another Inner Revolution podcast. Uh, This particular episode is going to be special. We recently had a men's conference, and I put together some clips from some speakers. Pastor Ronaldo, myself, Cedric Tanksley, Pastor Carl Gale, Pastor Dennis White, just some great thoughts that kind of encapsulate uh, godly decisions, uh, bringing eternity into the day and age that we live in, making godly decisions and and how to do that. So, this episode is some clips that give you a snapshot of what we talked about. You can listen to the whole conference on ggwo.org. And I hope this encourages you and and stirs you up.
1: Most Christians have a goal to hear from God because we're told that we're led by God. God speaks to us and to hear from God. Sometimes we think it's an audible voice. Um, Sometimes we don't discern that the spirit uses the word, the spirit uses people, the spirit speaks to us. There's a lot of ways that God reveals himself to me. Um, But we said that, The first goal is really not to hear from God. The first goal is being with God. Um, It's interesting in Genesis three, when it talks about that God came to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, every day at a specific time. I'm amazed at the way he was, he's omnipresent. So he was always there, but at a specific time, he made himself manifest in such a way that it appears he was arriving. For a specific reason and it says he taught them in the cool of the day it doesn't really suggest a lot of dialogue it could have been monologue we don't know but it was like he wanted them to experience his presence i don't know if adam and eve experienced the presence of god except for when he came which is why they hid when they sinned because they they, they, they were hid, they didn't want to be seen by God. They had no concept or precept that God was omnipresent. So we know God comes at this specific time. Let's hide. Um, So they weren't accustomed to the constant presence of God, like we have the opportunity to the first lesson for me isn't learning how to hear from God, but learning how to be with God. And we said that that's the elementary lesson that a lot of us miss in our Christianity. We've never learned how to be with God, how to have the presence of God on my job, in my marriage, in my mourning, in my, my struggle, in my confusion, just to be with God. That book by Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of God, that's a great fundamental discipline for a Christian to learn how to be with God. Like we said over there, we said, can I give God a half an hour a day? Maybe I break it up—five minutes here, ten minutes there—where I just drop everything, turn off the phone, drop, stop what I'm doing for five minutes here and there. Maybe you're busy, but you're not that busy. You got five minutes to check Facebook. You got five minutes to be quiet with God. You got it. You got it. I don't care if it's the shower. Take an extra five minutes in the shower. Five minutes just practicing god's presence and maybe in the beginning when you start doing this discipline you know your mind is flooded with thoughts but eventually you develop a discipline okay shut down stop thinking about anything rehearse the person of god the words of god my history with god just begin to rehearse god in your mind and invite the presence of god into your moment And practice the presence of God. And and when that becomes a part of your lifestyle, I don't care what your occupation is. I work 80 hours a week. Yes, you do. But can you have the presence of God in your 80 hours? Can you have that? Would God want you to have that? Well, you know, I got the wife. I got the kids. I got the drive. You don't know how hard my job is. Is it too hard for the presence of God? You can have that. And then from the presence of God, we said over there that you can build to high school and begin to hear from god where god begins to speak to you through situations and things and the word and you come to church and maybe there's a rhema word in the message as one sentence that god was clearly speaking to you and you know it you're like pinned to your seat he's talking to me well that answers my question i had a problem with that other guy but the pulpit just answered that question because i heard from god i don't need counseling I just got the word spoken to me and I was in the presence of God and I was able to hear. Maybe because you're not in the presence of God, you don't know how to hear from God. Then once I learn how to hear from God, I can be anywhere. I can, God is with me. I, we so much want, we want God to do something for me. We forgot about the Emmanuel, the God that's with me and how powerful that is. Is it any wonder In his first interaction with the disciples, Jesus didn't give them anything to do. He says in Mark 3, 12 to 14, I called them that they would be with me. I'm not asking them. I'm not asking for them to talk to me. I'm not asking them to do anything for me. I'm not even asking them to listen to me. He just said, I want you to be where I am. Just be with me. It's like, you know, when you have your kids, sometimes you you want your kids with you because you're doing something. And you know they have no idea what what you're doing it doesn't matter you just want your kids with you a real a, a dad wants his kids with him in a situation okay i'm gonna do it come with me they're they they're useless like you see a, a guy fixing his car maybe changing his oil and his son's sitting there with a rubber hammer and he's banging on the tire he's useless but the dad feels good because my, my son's with me he's just with me and we don't have to do anything we don't have to go anywhere, he's just with me. The with, then again, I begin to hear. And then we said the college would be, there are times in my life because I have a history of being with God, because I have a history of hearing from God here and there, that when God doesn't speak and I don't hear him speaking because of his presence, I'm good. I don't have to hear from God. My relationship with him is to a point I find power in just his presence. He doesn't have to speak. He doesn't have to move. He doesn't have to change my situation. Mm -hmm. Things can stay broke. My marriage can stay not good. But I know that in my bad marriage, God is with me. I know that on my lousy job, that God is with me. That in my poor finances, God is with me. It doesn't matter. In my horrible school, God is with me. And I find value in the simplicity of God just being with me right? Isn't that what David had? Really? David didn't say a lot of things about God talking to him. In fact, many times in the Psalms, he complains that God doesn't talk enough. When you read the Psalms, David's like, God, you're not talking. Why aren't you talking? But it was the presence of God with David on those Judean hills with just him and some sheep. That's what changed David's life. He had the presence of God. Moses understood that in Exodus chapter 32 he said you know what God if you're not going to go with us we're not going he didn't say if you're not going to speak to us if you're not going to defeat our enemies if you're not going with us I'm not doing that I'm not doing that but if you're with me (laughs) <laughs> Every all options are on the tables. Enemies get crushed. Strongholds get broken. Doors get open because God is with me. It's like walking with your dad. Remember when you were little, you were with your father. He was the greatest man on the face of the earth. He was right there. My dad can beat your dad. Are you kidding me? When you walk with your dad, you're like four or six. You just knew good things were gonna happen. You felt safe. In fact, you were careless. You weren't even paying attention to your security. You were just doing whatever you wanted to do because I'm with him. (laughs) That was the security, right? Uh, But anyway, that was just a thought, just the the value as a man of cultivating the presence of God in my life. And I may not be a pastor. I may not be a missionary, but I am a child of God. and And God is in my life. And I want him in my job and I want him in my business and I want him in my plans. I want him in my dreams. I want him in my struggles. I want him in my problems. I want him in my confusion. I'd rather be confused with him than have clarity without him. Yeah.
2: Evening to you all. Uh, my first thought to you is, is what are you feeding? I want you to keep that in your mind. If you could turn to the, to the book of Romans chapter eight, I like to start there. See here in this chapter, chapter eight, we talking, uh, Paul is talking about the difference between the flesh and the spirit and how we respond to the Christian life in a mental way, which determines our uh, our views. Right. So if you can start with me in uh, Romans eight, we're going to start in verse five says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the carnally minded, the fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind, the flesh mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In this verse, Apostle Paul uses the word mind to contrast two different ways of thinking. See, it all starts in your mind, Paul says. Your mind is your control tower, right? What you put in is what you're going to get out of it. What you put into your mind is what you're going to produce, right? Those who are of the flesh think about fleshly things, and those who are of the spirit think about things that that please God. But there was two, I, I would like to say there's two words or two things here that stuck out to me or one thing that's really big he said that they set their minds they set their minds and and just a little bit of homework i found out that it's a greek word that speaks on it refers to the basic orientation of your whole system it's your thought patterns of your mind it's your view it's your uh, your blueprint it's your grid it's it's how you look at things right how you open your mind up to things how you look at things is everything. Would you guys agree with that? How you interpret things, how you embrace things. And Paul is saying here that we need to set our minds on things that are spiritual so that we can see through a bigger lens. See that looking through a bigger lens is more than what's going on around us. what we're dealing with, what we're walking in, or maybe what we're running from. Right? He's not saying that people are fleshly or spiritual by the way that they think. He is saying that people think about fleshly things or spiritual things because of who they are. And the great thing about that is, is that you get to make that choice. You get to determine the ramifications of how you're going to think about life. Right. Write my first point down. All right. Write my first point down. Whatever has your ear has your attention. I'm going to say that again. Whatever has your ear has your attention because you deliberately give time and energy to it. The scary thing about it is though, is if it has your ear, which has your attention, it potentially could have your heart. And the Bible says a man thinketh in his heart. So is he, is that true? I, I would agree with that. And just because you're fleshly minded doesn't mean that, you know, you're a bad individual or that you are, some uh vicious person is just the fact that culture sometimes can refine you there's a lot of refined people in culture but i want to tell you about what flesh is write the word flesh down spell it out f l e seen this and it stuck with me so i want to share it with you then take the letter h and cross it out and we're going to say that that stands for him and then spell the word backwards. S-E-L-F, what does that spell? Self. So the flesh is self without him.
0: Hey, thanks for being here tonight. This is so good to have you. And uh, really, it encourages me, encourages all of us. We've been praying for this event for quite a while. And thank you for just making the decision to be here. And I know many are online too and just really uh, the thought tonight, like Cedric had said, is we're just cons- being intentional with God, and uh, talking about bringing eternity into our today. So, just for a few minutes, I want to talk about what that means in regards to godly decisions. And uh, everyone got one of these, right? You got these handy-dandy book bookmarks. Okay. Uh, so these are some takeaways that we're gonna talk about tonight, but but really if we could just have one thing that we walk away with tonight um, god will really burn that in our hearts and put a fire in our hearts to be godly men amen in these dark days this is like you're important in the kingdom you really are in this sense where you and i are initiators of the kingdom of god and many are asleep at the wheel uh and thankfully as our eyes are on the lord uh, The word of god is burning in us and we have the wisdom of god in a foolish day don't we we really do and it's only because of the word of god so pray with me and we'll just open uh together here in a few moments to joel chapter three so precious father thank you for what we've heard and i just pray for deep encouragement for the guys here inspiration motivation uh conviction and just that you would uh, Deeply empower them to walk in their calling and in the in the design that you have for each one of these men tonight. And we just bless your name and ask for your, these to be your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I just want you to consider a couple thoughts here. Um, and I'm going to hopefully not bounce around the Bible too much. But uh, I want us to think of this verse here in Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter three, and when you think about decisions, um, the the heart of what I want to say is this statement. Okay, the heart of what I want to unpack the whole night is this statement, and we got a great panel of pastors that are and guys that are going to share after the intermission. So don't go anywhere. But the idea of a godly decision is when my will agrees with God's word. That's how I make a godly decision. When my will agrees with God's word (laughs) because we do what we believe and what we value is our decision maker. Now, what do I mean by that? What we value, what we hold dear is ultimately what we're going to choose. So I'm not much of an art guy, but I know that art can be very expensive, right? Thousands and thousands of dollars. Right now, if I was to compare art to something else, maybe my value system may be subjective. If I'm hungry, that hamburger is going to be much more interesting to me than that piece of art. Right. Because I can't eat art and I'm hungry. Right. Because value can be subjective that way. Right. But if I'm not hungry and I like the art, maybe I'll pay thousands of dollars and disregard the uh, the hamburger. You see my point? So in different situations, our value system may be different. But in the kingdom of God, you and I have an absolute value system, which is the things of God. And today, in this day and age that we live in, the famine of the word, the famine of uh, of wisdom, and these things that the world is so occupied with themselves, like we just heard, we. As believers as we value the words of God the the Bible and the things of God guess what we then begin to understand what is a godly choice a godly decision where my will your will agrees with God's word isn't that good just very simple isn't it but it's very powerful and I want to show you a couple points that that helps us because uh, otherwise, without God's word, 119.105 of Psalms, we do not have a lamp or a light, but with his word, we have uh, clarity and uh, the Holy Spirit is speaking his way and his word. In temptation, how about this? Why is it that we fall in temptation? It's simple. It's because we're valuing Our sin. We're valuing the feeling, the short fleeting feeling rather than valuing the absolute uh, value of God's peace, God's uh, wisdom, God's comfort, God's uh, presence, as we heard. So we want to assign right values. Amen. Why do we stay married? Because we value marriage, right? Why do we forgive our brother? Because we value, we assign value uh, on on forgiveness. Now the world, the world mocks the pure man. The world mocks the diligent man. The world mocks the man that is prayerful. But guess what? Those qualities, those values, are absolute. They're not subjective. There's something that stands in every case. Okay. Let me show you this interesting verse here. Uh, Job three, uh, Joel 3, three, fourteen, And this is where I really feel like we're in at this moment. It says this, it says, multitudes and multitudes are in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Isn't that good? How many of us have decisions in front of us? All of us. Every minute of the day. What are we choosing? Well, we do what we believe, and we we uh, the decision maker in our life is what we value. Right? So God wants to change our value system so that we agree with his word and we operate in the authority of who we are as men of God. We're, we're not the tail, we're the head. Why? Because God has designed you and I to live in the authority of who he is and what. He has done. I want to just kind of bring this home a little bit in 2 Kings. I just want to encourage us uh, as we talk about missions uh, in America and just thinking about taking back our country uh, for the Word of God. I think we have a tremendous window, a a small season to preach, to teach, to plant, to disciple to evangelize i feel like we have a small window and as men of god as we're engaging god that's the key we're engaging god and choosing in faith the impossible things can happen people can get saved churches can be built and people can thrive in their calling i mean how many of us have met under challenged men how many of us have men met bored men Or men that are enslaved to their to their addictions what is that it's it's God says I love that man and I want to bring him into a place where he just he lives in the decision of truth the decision of what's been prepared for him and I want to engage him like we just heard to live in the purposes of life isn't that good we are not slaves we are not victims amen we're victors we're victors because of the work and authority of Christ in our life. So what's the difference? It's my will agreeing with God's word. That's it. What do I do in sin? My will, because God wrestles with our free will because he wants us to follow him because of love. So we surrender our will and we agree the power of God is released when we agree with God. And guess what happens? The authority of the word of God now becomes the anointing that we live in. Right. No more excuses. No more woe is me and all this. And we all say it. I say it. But instead, it's like, Lord, I want to abide in the authority of who you are. It doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter where I've been, what I've done, what I should have done, what I shouldn't have done. It matters what he has done, who he says that we are and what he's prepared for us. Isn't that good? What a way to go into the rapture, go down fighting in the right sense. Uh, Christ does the fighting, of course, I don't want to lead a rebellion here, (laughs) but we are moving in faith, we're moving in courage, we're moving without, uh, we're moving into danger. By the way, if we're looking for a safe life, hmm, I got something to say about that. There's no reward in safety. We want to walk in the danger in this sense where it's dangerous for the devil but there's authority and power and joy and peace with God. Amen. How many want a little danger in your life? Only a few of you. Okay. I got to keep preaching now. (laughs) We walk by faith. We walk by faith. And guess what? We're not asking for danger. We're not asking to be reckless, but you know what? For a man that's sold out making decisions with God, danger will find him and danger will be defeated every single time. Why? Because, the, the man of God that's walking in faith is untouchable, 1 John 5, 18. He is untouchable. Why? Because his prayer life, his walk of faith, his reception to the Holy Spirit is keeping him, defending him, encouraging him, strengthening him. What a way to live, amen? I don't. I, I, that's the way I want to live, amen?
3: Yeah, King, King David was actually told... To... You know he stayed when he should have gone to war right and look what happened to him you know so it's interesting if you think about it in a military sense like if you if you're in a battle like you you are waiting right there's like a, a waiting maybe you're not engaged but you're waiting doesn't mean you're sitting still you're you, you got to keep moving or else you're gonna get hit you know so in our Christian life I mean you see the spirit of God uh, is moving so sometimes I mean we're we're moving too but we're not always, uh, engaged at this level, you know, but we're still engaged with what the spirit of God is doing. You know, we, we preached in Frederick a couple weeks ago about Moses being up on the mountain it was Exodus, I think 32, right. And there's a promise of an angel that's going to lead Moses, you know, through the wilderness. But then in Exodus 34, you see Moses, you know, saying to God, like, unless your presence goes with me, I will not go. You know, so here's what Moses did is he saw like, okay, you know, there's an angel that you've given me to lead me, but I know the condition of my people, of us, he says, that we are stiff-necked, right? So we know, like Cedric was saying, we know our flesh, you know, without him, we know our flesh. So we need more than just like an angel, right? We need the presence of God. So we see the presence of God moving and we move with it. And sometimes we engage and sometimes we don't.
4: You know, the first the first thing he, he said, he says, you know, um, God's will, you know, and God's word, right? That is just so incredible because without you know God's will and God's word for men, like how 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 would we know when the world puts on us how to identify ourselves as as a man, right? What is a man? And the world has such a definition that it wants to put us in this place of what a man is, but we don't know what a man of grace is unless we're in the will of God, right? And the word of God uh, giving me the identity of who I am in Christ. So once I get the identity of who I am in Christ as a man of grace, then that that takes the Adam man out. And it puts the grace man in the center. And then when the grace man's in the center, then his will uh, became God's will swallowed up by the word of God, by the love of God, right? By the presence of God, by the peace of God, right? Then men, then we have peace with God and God's will. So all of a sudden, when it comes to decisions, and this is, this is what I've learned in, um, my life i had to go onto the mountain in order to go into the valley like i didn't grow on the mountain you know men said let's let's be successful let's get to the top let's earn our top to the mountain then on the mountaintop there was no life there there was there was no peace there was it was a dry place and then i realized the mountaintop wasn't for me to stay there it was only for me to rest there, then go down into the valley. Right. And that's that's what Joel 3 of uh, 14 is talking about in the valley. There's so much in the valley that we don't even experience because we're trying to get out of the valley. We're trying to get out of prayer. We're trying to get out of fellowship. We're trying to get out of the love of God. Right. Because we want to get onto the mountaintop. But there's nothing up there. Right. And so when when we as Men, God says, I have to find a way to bring you into the valley. So I'm going to cause an avalanche and it's going to slide you right down into it. Right. So you can uh, experience the milk and honey. Right. And I'm going to teach you through God's love how to make decisions. Right. So that all of a sudden your will is swallowed up. Right. And then all of a sudden God's will tastes so good. Your will now doesn't mean a thing. Like I don't want it right because it doesn't taste good it doesn't make me satisfied it doesn't give me the peace that i'm looking for right peace in christ right swallows up the will and then we as men no longer says uh here's what a man is no but no here's what a man of grace is he's submitted right he's willing he he has a he has a pulpit he has a pastor teacher he has fellowship He's at raps. He has a Bible college experience. He, he loves every single thing about God, but his own natural life. Right. Uh, it's not about where I'm going to live, uh, where I'm going to go to school, where I, where I'm going to work. It's 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 about knowing God in the valleys of life. Right. <laughs> Troubles will come, but the valley, there's security it's safety, right? That's where we find ourselves. But that's where we find ourselves trying to run out of. But that's where God says, this is where I'm at, right? It's safe there. And guess what? We can now take the risk to go down the mountain and see what's there without being afraid of danger. You know, what's on a mountain when you go or go up or go down? There's flies on it. Uh, There's you know, animals, there's all kinds of creatures. I'm 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 afraid, but I'm going down anyway because danger is what God wants me to go down into. And I'm not afraid, right? Because who's with me? God is with me. And if God is with me, who can be what? Who can be against me? And when you take the principles and practice them in everyday life, you will experience the presence of God that when you get up in the morning before daylight, Mark chapter 1, right? Verse 35, Jesus Christ, he he got up before what? Daylight. And he prayed what he prayed uh, in the presence of his father. So that when he came out of that place, he already came out of that place. He was filled up, poured over, and then he met with his disciples. And then when he met with his disciples, his disciples says, let's go into town. And what are we going to go into town to do? We're going to go in and heal some people. We're going to go in and love some people. We're not going to worry about our lives, but Jesus Christ is our example.
0: Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.